A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Monday morning to you. And there was our John Paul sitting in for Ken on the breakfast show this morning. And didn't our John Paul do well? So that does mean he's not answering our phones today. Instead, it's Bernie sitting in for John Paul. So if there's anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. 0818 103 103. Texts and WhatsApps are also up and running this morning to 0862 103 103. You, whatever you want to share uh, with us this morning. And there are literally every Every single paper has the most gorgeous photographs of a team of golfers celebrating. Of course, we're talking about Europe, Europe's Ryder Cup victory. Uh, yesterday and across the last uh, few days. And as I say, just such fantastic photographs, particularly for for um, Shane, La- Shane Lowry and Rory McIlroy, just genuinely thrilled to have won. Uh, Europe won yesterday 16.5 to uh, 11.5. And there are pictures in the papers of the, the drama over the weekend, when particularly when Rory McIlroy was involved with an angry es- exchange with one of the US Caddies, uh, Joe LaCava. He had twirled his cap after Rory was attempting to do a virtual um, pot. That happened on the green. Then the row spills over onto the car park uh, afterwards. Rory uh, was seen shouting and pointing his finger at Joe uh, LaCava. And then it was Shane Lowry who intervened pulled him away and <laughs> almost pushed him into a waiting car. You could actually see, I'm not the best at lip reading, but you could hear, see Shane's lips moving. Get into that... Mm, car and, and he got him in before Shane Lowry went back in fairness and had a bit of a uh, just a, a quick little uh, exchange but Rory McIlroy yesterday fighting back tears of joy and uh, he contributed what was his career's best performance to help Europe retain the uh, Ryder Club and when he was asked to reflect on the bus stop and particularly what had happened in the car park he said I needed that to fuel me today and he did and he had a cracker of a round yesterday so really lovely lovely photographs uh, in the paper uh, today. And I suppose the other big story from an Irish point of view that went all over the world and again is getting picked up in all of the papers today. What's been described by many as the hottest tickets on the planet and that's U2's residency in Las Vegas in this uh, uh, sphere as it's called. It cost two billion to build. Two billion uh, euro. And the one thing 
And you can see it again in the photographs that are in the, the papers today. Everybody who was there, the 17,000 lucky people who got inside to experience the first night of this residency of U2 in uh, Las Vegas, all of them had their phones out. I think they were all just so taken aback by what they were witnessing inside. But you kind of think, put your phone away and just sit back, relax and uh, enjoy it. But you can literally see in all of the photographs today, it's just people with their uh, cameras uh, up. And of course, when, you, when you're sitting on your seat and there are they're vibrating chairs as well. So you're, you're feeling the music as well as seeing and hearing it. And they're surrounded by all of these LED uh, screens and I saw one concert goer say it actually felt at one stage like the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel was descending down upon people the entire sphere is suddenly a blaze of vivid colours and animations and it's like really you're sitting in a chair but it's almost like you're sitting, you've got a huge virtual reality headset on you. You don't but that's the feeling that you get. So well done uh, to you too. They were described as looking like tiny little ants on stage but of course everybody was looking at the the LED displays, it looks absolutely uh, spectacular. So well done to the lads from U2. 0818103103. And from the madness of Vegas, let's bring it all back home. A lot in the papers still today about budget talks. And we are now a little over a week away. It is tomorrow week the 10th of October, that is going to be a budget day. And uh, according to the papers today, families in the squeezed middle, they stand to gain the most in the budget. Now, we mentioned that again last year and a lot of people in the squeezed middle felt that they didn't gain the most. So let's keep our fingers crossed for those people who really do feel they are working so, so hard and they're getting very little benefit from it at the end of uh, the day. So they are... Uh, there's a lot of focus gone on the squeezed middle. There's also measures to try to help uh, commuters and to help uh, parents. Now, as we were predicting and talking about last week, seemingly all of the party leaders are set to halt the scheduled rise in excise duty on fuel. Now, there's meant to be a rise in excise duty fuel on the end of this month. And if they don't, and please God, they'll have the sense not to go ahead uh, with that. That obviously will save hundreds of euros for people who travel long distances. But even those who just do the shorter runs, the parents dropping and collecting the children from school. Everybody will benefit if they don't decide to put back on the extra on the excise uh, duty. There's talks that there's going to be an increase in funding for the school meals uh, programme. They're going to extend the provision of hot food to hundreds of new uh, schools and that's going to be welcome because, yes, there are children who go to school and either families can't afford it or they're coming from dysfunctional families. Nobody at home to cook a meal, nobody at home to give them a decent uh, breakfast. The schools know exactly who these children are and if hot school dinners could be available uh, for more, it certainly would benefit children in uh, the long run. Uh, There's also talk of a new special scheme to give full Susie grants, you know, the Susie, the third level grants, to give it to single parents who want 
to study. It'll focus on helping lone parents who want to go back into college. Now, seemingly this is coming from both the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar and the Higher Education Minister Simon Harris. They're determined to end the requirement for a person to be in full-time education. That's the way it is if you want to avail of the SUSE grant. Those receiving a lone parent's payment will be able to avail of a full means-tested grant for attending classes on a part-time basis and because obviously uh, lone parents can't go back into well some of them can't go back into education full-time because of the needs of looking after their children but they'd love to go back into education but they'd love to go back and do it on a part-time basis so they could slot it in say around the times that their children are at school and they wouldn't have this need for uh, childcare but of course they, they're stopped at the moment because they can't get the uh, Susie grant so that will be that would be a big big benefit to uh, lone parents uh, but also it seems other beneficiaries would include many of the Ukrainian refugees uh, who are here but whose spouses are back uh, at home fighting. Uh, in some of uh, those cases, they'd love to take on a part-time course because obviously they don't have backup of families around to help them look after their children. They would find it uh, very uh, difficult. Now, obviously, doing a, a degree or whatever course you're doing it, doing it part-time, it does take longer, but it doesn't stop anyone from completing a full degree. Simon Harris also aims to reduce third level fees and I know when I was kite flying last week about some of the things that have been suggested about the budget I did have a number of uh, people contact con- in sending in texts saying is there any talk about lowering the amount that students pay and ultimately it falls on parents to pay the third level fo- fees well Simi Simon Harris is looking at another further €1,000 and that would repeat what was brought in uh, last uh, year and then at the other end of the scale ministers are promising better childcare and early years provision. That's important. We had creches out on a three-day strike last week. They are crying out for more supports because obviously they've got the rising cost of inflation and employee standard requirements. There's a lot going on in the, the creche area. So, some, so they do need help. So it's, it, it looks like that they are being uh, listened to. And Leo Varadkar, he's continuing with his drive to end child poverty. Um, and that will involve an overall package that will actually surpass, according to some of the papers today, half a billion euro. Now, besides the measures I've already m- mentioned, they're talking about targeted welfare payments, such as child dependent uh, allowance. It's one area that Leo Varadkar wants to uh, look at. Meanwhile, government sources say the coalition um, are very conscious uh, people are still facing higher energy bills and for a number of households, electricity bills beginning of the month will start to arrive for the last two months and there'll be some families who will be getting shocks because they'll be expecting a summer bill that should be lower and of course uh, it, it, it's not uh, un, unfortunately and even though there has been some reductions by the power companies our electricity prices as we've spoken about are still the highest in uh, Europe. So it's now looking, and I say in adverted commas, almost certain that the excise duty, that will uh, drop. But added to that, there is going to be help with the energy credits on household bills at this this winter. Now, it depends on what political correspondent you read in the papers 
there's various different suggestions because they're obviously basing it on their sources within the government parties. But there is a number of different suggestions as to what the energy credits will be. Now, you'll remember last year, uh, every single household got in total 600 euro was taken off our electricity bills. They were three 200 euro electricity credits. It doesn't look like it's going to be as generous as that, but it mightn't be far off. One suggestion is that there will be two 200 euro energy credits given, but others are saying that they might give three 150 euro energy credits. That would work out at 450 euro. So again, we're going to have to wait until tomorrow week for that to be uh, announced. And then on income tax, and obviously that's the one that the squeezed middle, the people who get up and go out to work, and uh, in many cases, two from the household are getting up early in the morning uh, to go out to work. They very much are the squeezed uh, middle. So there will be increased PAYE credits a widening of the bans now obviously all of that is in keeping with the programme for government the much hated universal social charge I'd love to be here uh, saying that there's speculation they're going to get rid of it there's never been a talk of them going to get rid of it even though it was introduced as a temporary uh, measure but it is looking like there'll be a cut to the universal social uh, charge, uh, a cut of 0.5 percentage points off the 4.5 percentage rate. So that would bring that one down to 4% uh, instead, but no sign of it being uh, abolished. And then for those people who are solely reliant on social welfare, they very much wait for Budget Day to see how much extra they're going to get weekly in their social welfare payment, be that a disability allowance, be it unemployment benefit, uh, be it the state uh, pension, whatever pension uh, it is. They're saying social welfare payments expected to go up by a tenner a week, 10 euro across the board, with a 12 euro weekly increase only a possibility only a possibility um, are likely to be confined to a limited range of benefits. So what they might do is they might go with, say, €12 and give that to the pensioners and to everybody else on social welfare. They might just give €10 a week. So the devil will very much be in the detail tomorrow week. And then, of course, when they announce, say, the extra ten euro in social welfare, the extra going uh, to the state pension, it's it won't kick in from the night of budget night, which is what carbon tax does, and any other tax, any increase on any of the old reliables, they will kick in from midnight. I'm assuming we'll have to wait until at least the new year for any increases in social welfare, because remember, this is while well, the budget is will be. The ministers will stand and announce the budget next Tuesday, the 10th of October 2023. But this is budget 2024, so the increases certainly won't kick in until at least uh, next year. But you would be just hopeful that they'll kick in at the start of January. There was, uh, for a number of years, they would announce the increases in social welfare. I remember at one stage, it was the, the St. Patrick's weekend, close to St. Patrick's weekend, before the increase was actually passed on. And that annoyed a lot of people because, you know, that point I just made that everything goes up on the night of the budget but when they want to give you something uh, they 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 have a tendency in the past to make people wait. 0818103103 as they say lots and lots of commentary about the budget and we're getting used to this now that by the time the budget arrives we sort of sit back and listen to it and say yeah knew all of that there's very very few surprises on the day. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 
103 103. 2 billion to build the sphere in Las Vegas, says one listener. And we can't build an events centre, for God's sake. I'll just leave that there. Thank you for your text. Uh, Martin in West Cork says, Patricia, surely there are better alternatives to the current form of capitalism and market economies. Surely the finest brains in the world and in this country can come up with solutions. At the end of the day, all we need are two principles, food and shelter. Why is there so much hardship in life? It can be healed. There are solutions. They just all need to get together and decide on those solutions. That's from Martin in West Cork. Thank you, Martin. And John O'Donovan in the city was on uh, about Michal Martin, who is in in Kiev in the Ukraine uh, today. Now, according to John, Michal Martin has admitted that the Army Rangers are training the Ukrainian army in weapon training. He says, is that is that not a breach of our neutrality? Now, I have to put my hand up and say I didn't hear Michal Martin saying that the Army Rangers are training the Ukrainian army in weapons training. What I did uh, see and hear from Michal Martin earlier was that um, he would be addressing the issue of Irish Defence Forces training Ukrainian personnel in demining and medical combat as well as a number of other programmes. I don't know what those other programmes are but he is part of, he's not over there on his own, it's an extraordinary meeting of EU Foreign Affairs uh, it's an extraordinary meeting of the EU Foreign Affairs Council in uh, the Ukraine and Michal Martin arrived in Kiev overnight by train from Poland with other delegates. Now obviously it was a very much kept uh, secret. We only found out today that he was in the city after he arrived. It was all a closely guarded secret and 27 EU foreign ministers are in the uh, city uh, today but nobody knew Nobody knew that it was um, happening for very obvious reasons. So it's one eight one oh three one oh uh, three. Now, we have uh, competitions on the programme uh, today. We're giving you the chance to win Funderland tickets. Funderland is coming back to uh, Creamfields on the Tremor Road, open every night until 10pm with free supervised parking. And every day this uh, week, uh, we have uh, a winner a day who receives three tickets and passes for Funderland Autumn happening in uh, Cork. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit later on how you can win. It is going to be a text or a WhatsApp competition, okay? But if you have people in the house who'd love to go off and uh, on the Funderland rides, which are always great, great fun, then hang in there and we'll tell you how you can win those a little bit later on. And we also have balcony tickets for the National Menopause Summit, which is taking place later on this month in the Cork City Hall. And of course, this, the month of October, is World Menopause Awareness Month. And if you'd like to find out more about the National Menopause Summit coming to Cork on Friday, the 20th of October, you can vis- visit National Menopause Summit. Summit.com, uh, but we'll give you a chance to win some tickets to go along and that is also happening uh, every day this week. Bernie's taking your calls 0818-103-103 Our lines are open. Cork today on C103. January the 12th, uh, 2022 is a day that will be etched in the minds of many, especially the people of Tullamore because that was the day a young primary school teacher, Ashleen Murphy, was found murdered. The trial of the alleged suspect begins today and our reporter at the trial, Andrew Louth, uh, joins me. Good morning, Jandrew. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome uh, to the programme. I suppose, can you just start firstly by t- just reminding us about Ashleen, Ash- uh, who she was and what happened, uh, is alleged to have happened on that day? 
certainly, Patricia. Ashling Murphy was 23 years of age. She was a recent graduate of Mary Immaculate College in County Limerick. She had started as a primary school teacher at Duro National School in County Offaly. And she was also a traditional Irish musician in the Tullamore area. And on, as you pointed out at the top of the show, on the 12th of January 2022, Ashing Murphy died while she was out for a run following an alleged assault. This was this took place on the Grand Canal in Tullamore. And what uh, is known about the alleged suspect? Okay, so the man who is due to go on trial for her murder is a man called Joseph Puska. He's 32 years of age. He has an address of Lineley Grove in Tullamore in County Offaly. As I pointed out already, he is accused of Ashing Murphy's murder. And uh, in Ireland, in a general sense, um, upon conviction or plea, murder carries a mandatory life sentence. So what is expected to happen today? This is the first day of the trial. Okay, so it's not just the first day of the trial. It's actually the first day of the new court term as well. So there will be a body of work for judges to get through. And and it ultimately depends when this particular case will be called before a judge. So um, that is expected to happen at some stage this morning. It is listed for half past 10 and Mr. Puska will be arraigned before the Central Criminal Court. After that, a jury will be selected to hear all of the evidence which will be presented as part of the trial. It's unclear how long jury selection will take. This can vary from case to case. And um, if everything does go to plan, however, opening statements could be heard this afternoon from the prosecution and possibly the defence as well. Now, I suppose the evidence will be presented officially after a jury has been selected and the opening statements have been delivered. So while it's hard to know if we will hear any of that evidence later today, if we do get to a stage where the opening statements are heard, then that's when, in a general sense, the DPP sets out its stall. So they and when it comes to the opening statements, they tell the jury what their alleged case against an accused person is. And then, you know, if the opening statement, it's not evidence in itself, but the jury will be informed what evidence they will be presented with over the next few weeks. And this trial is expected to last for up to six weeks. That's quite a lengthy trial, Andrew, isn't it? Six weeks. Yeah, it's all down to uh, the body of evidence that um, that is going that will be presented. So this could be anything from whatever the the uh, the prosecution has, and also what the defence has as well. And uh, these th- uh, these trials, they can they can, like I pointed out, in the length of time it takes to select a jury, the length of trial can vary from case to case as well. It's all down to the body of evidence that um, we can expect to hear during the trial. And I take it as English wouldn't be this um, the suspect's first language. It'll be all done through interpreters, will it? Uh, that we, we'll discover that later on. So when he's arraigned before the Central Criminal Court later on, we'll find out exactly how the proceedings of the trial will go. And this obviously is the start of uh, another very difficult period for Ashley Murphy's family. Ashley Murphy's family... Well, obviously, when um, back in January, when her death took place, it was obviously a very tough time for them. It has taken time to get to this point. So um, the next few weeks will, the next few weeks, um, they will be keeping an eye on proceedings like we all are.
Yeah, yeah, hopefully that maybe it'll hopefully bring them some closure. Uh, listen, Andrew, we'll speak to you uh, throughout the week, but uh, thank you for that and thank you for joining us this morning. No problem, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, that is uh, Andrew Louth, our reporter at the Ashleen Murphy trial. And over the weekend, I was just reminding myself of that uh, particular case because, you know, I was thinking initially, uh, how many months ago did it happen? And, and then to discover it's uh, well over a year. It actually should be coming up to our second anniversary uh, next January and very much thinking of the Murphy family. And I remember after after that dreadful, dreadful killing of Ashley and it prompted that whole fresh debate, didn't it, about violence against women and uh, vigils were held uh, for Ashleen Murphy all over the country and indeed uh, all over the world. And then lo and behold, at the weekend, we had another, uh, again, violence towards uh, a woman with the death of uh, Lorna Woodnut, uh, a woman in her 40s. And in that particular case, uh, the guy are questioning a 16-year-old boy over her brutal murder. And that's another case from uh, Tullamore in uh, County Offaly. Uh, what has gone wrong with society when we have these types of killing and the level of violence that's used in these uh, deaths? It really, really is uh, shocking. So uh, once again, thanks to Andrew, who's going to be our court reporter and we'll keep you um, up as up to date as we can on that particular case, because I know it certainly is a case that sh- the her murder shocked the entire country. And uh, people will be interested to see how this particular case pans out. And more than anything, I just hope if they can ever get closure, that it brings some kind of closure to the Murphy family. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862. 103103 Managing Director of Online Insurance Provider, MCL Insurance. Good morning to you, Gary. Good morning, Patricia. You're very welcome to the programme. I suppose, can you start by explaining to us what these black boxes are, how they work and what they actually record? Uh, Whenever someone takes a policy uh, out with uh, the two brands that we would have, Patricia, it's for women.ie or getsetgo.ie, we would fit a small black box uh, in behind the dashboard of the vehicle. Uh, it then re- would record uh, the major risk factors uh, in terms of G-force, such as acceleration, deacceleration, which would be your braking, lateral movement, uh, and also we would look at uh, speeding as well. So we would know exactly where you were driving and what the speed limits would be on that road. We then use all of that data to build an algorithm, which then uh, enables us, that, and that algorithm would be based would look at people's propensity to have an accident. So the higher the score, then the safer the person is uh, as a driver and less likely they are to have an accident. And are they easy to install in a vehicle? Yep, they're professionally installed. So uh, when the policy is bought, the company goes out and, yep, they professionally install them in behind the dashboard of the vehicle. It doesn't affect the warranty uh, and the driver wouldn't, uh, wouldn't know it's there, for instance. OK, and, and you don't have policyholders objecting to it being fitted? No, not at all. Uh, and I think because it's one of those things where it's a total win-win situation, 
uh, in that the policyholder is going to be given a, a, a 30% reduction in premium just to fit the device. Okay. Uh, and then hopefully if they drive well with a higher driving score, then they'll see the benefits of the insurance being considerably cheaper thereafter because uh, the, the actual insurance premium is going to be based on driving data as opposed to all those old traditional risk factors that we would have used, such as person's uh, age, where they live, their occupation. So it's real data in terms of people's uh, propensity or, or chance likelihood of having an accident. And when you looked at the results of the information gathered on the black box, black boxes, was there a dramatic drop in speeding? Uh, initially, no, there wasn't, because when we, we, we started this since 2013 and we've got over 600 million kilometres of information on, on Irish roads. So for the first couple of years, it was really fit the device, try and find, you know, build up a, information to find out exactly what is happening uh, out there on the roads and overlaying some of the data with um, or overlaying the data with accidents and, and, and seeing if the score that we had was actually predictive in terms of people having accidents. Uh, once we then, I think it was about two to three years in then, we did start to introduce uh, driving, uh, sorry, speeding alerts, where we would then start to, what we were trying to do at that stage then, once we built up the picture of driving, is that we were trying to nudge people to drive safer, more safely, and speeding obviously is a very uh, high contributory factor to accidents. Uh, and once we started to do that, then we, we, we saw that massive reduction in speeding uh, events. And of course, the big headline news is less accidents. Yeah, uh, oh, absolutely. Like we, we find that the, the higher the driving score, then the frequency of accidents falls quite considerably. And I suppose it is no secret that young drivers um, have the highest number of accidents. But I suppose what you're proving as well with your data, not all young drivers drive erratically. No, they don't. And I think that's why this is great technology, because in the past, uh, without this technology, they all would have been lumped together. So it was a case of you're of a certain age, this is what we're going to charge. Whereas this, this technology can actually individually rate somebody based on how they drive. So it is effectively fairer and is a fairer reflection on how they drive. Yeah, and I really like the idea of, of when you said, you know, if a driver then, you know, you can prove by the recordings on their black box that they are safe uh, drivers. They then, in the years ahead, will be rewarded with lower premiums. Yes, they will be. And uh, I can't go into what discount we would give because it's commercially sensitive, but it is substantial for people with the higher scores. It is a much a, a, a substantial reduction in their premiums going forward. Somebody wants to know, can drivers switch it off to avoid recording data? Uh, not, uh, no. Once no. we fit the box to the, the vehicle, it is it is permanently fitted to the car. Well, if, if the policy is lapsed, then we would stop recording the data, for instance. But uh, no, you can't tamper with the device. OK, someone else is uh, saying, what, what a fantastic idea. This is a no-brainer. Every single car should have a black box uh, fitted. Surely that would end speeding immediately if you knew you were being recorded and possibly then fined. Well, nobody gets, they don't get fined for speeding with a black box, but the evidence would be there that you were uh, speeding. And, and Gary, anything that can help reduce road deaths um, or serious accidents has got to be uh, welcomed I mean, our road deaths this year, they're making for very dismal reading, aren't they, so far? Yeah, they are. And we've seen some terrible tragedies on the roads. And, you know, we can't say that this is going to stop all accidents. It's something which 
as a contributory factor with other developments that car manufacturers and safety features that can also be in the vehicle, but it has a part to play. And when you look at all of these things together with uh, safety features, enhancements to vehicles and the ability to record how people drive and give them feedback on how they drive as well, it's a win-win situation and there's really no negatives at all. Yeah. Okay, listen, uh, thank you for that, Gary, and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you, Gary uh, McClarty there, who's Managing Director of the online insurance provider MCL. But as I say, anything at all that can reduce the number of deaths and serious accidents and, you know, serious, we hear about, the headlines are always the deaths, but we forget about the people that can be left behind after an accident and the devastating consequences of some of our serious uh, accidents and by fitting a black box works and fitting a black box pushes somebody to make sure they are going to drive safer. All I can say is bring it on. Would you object to a black box being fitted? And I like the idea of by the fact that you have this black box fitted and then the evidence will be there that you are a safe driver that you're not speeding and that you're driving, uh, you know you're smoothly driving along, braking acceleration, how you do your how you turn your corners and uh, all of that. I think I like the idea that the evidence will be there that you are a safe driver and therefore if you are a safe driver you should be paying less on your premiums because how often will we hear from some of our own listeners who will say that their insurance premium is in they've been driving for 20, 30, 40 years never had an accident and people get very annoyed at all the money that they paid out in premiums they're good safe drivers and they feel you know just because premiums go up across the board everyone then has to pay uh, extra because of either people driving without insurance or because of an additional number of accidents where there are serious injuries and then insurance money has to be paid out and everybody ends up paying for it in their premium. So I like the idea that people uh, would all get the benefit of your safe driving by having a black box uh, fitter. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that. If it was put to you to put a black box, but it would mean that your premiums would come down. That to me is is got to be the incentive. Would you have one of these fitted in your car? 0818 103 103. Bernie taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. On the black boxes that we were just uh, speaking about. A listener says, when my son started driving, Driving at 21, he had one of those black boxes fitted, so they have been around for quite some time. Well, yeah, in, in fairness, Gary said they started doing it in 2013, so they now have 10 years of data. That's why they're talking about it now. And from that 10 years of data, and all the millions of miles that they've tracked from all of the young it's young drivers in the main get these black boxes uh, fitted. That's where they were able to find out there'd been um, a drop, they reckoned, in 27% in uh, accidents. Uh, but, but in particular, claims involving bodily injury dropped by almost half to 48%. Uh, but it did reveal that speeding, there had been a dramatic fall in speeding of some 42% or some 72% when somebody knew there was a black box fitted and it was being recorded uh, people were watching the speed that they were travelling at. Now Heidi isn't too pleased about the notion of fitting a black box she says please, how much more of a nanny state are we aiming for now that we have to have black boxes fitted to our car 
to tell us not to drive too fast. I'm asking you and your guest speaker, unfortunately, has gone off the line. What has happened to adults' own competency when it comes to driving? Surely as adults, we should be able to do driving without these things telling us that we're going over the speed uh, limit. What next? It's our roads that cause a lot of the accidents, as you know, and you've heard from many of your listeners who've made similar comments over the years. That's from Heidi. In fairness, I mean... I don't think it's been suggested that every single car should be fitted with a black box. I just like the idea that if you do fit a black box and you show that you are a safe driver, then you benefit from it. If you think of, of young drivers and it just by their age, they're straight away penalised and they're straight away going to get an extra loading on their premium. And that's not fair that while statistics are there that more young people have accidents but equally there are many young people who are very, very safe drivers so by having a black box fitted they're proving that they are safe drivers. So I don't think it's a nanny state with people telling us that uh, we need to slow down. But you're right, what, what did happen to adults' own competency when it comes to driving? You like to think the majority of us are good safe drivers but unfortunately when you see the amount of tragedies on our roads, the amount of deaths on our roads, not everyone is very competent when they're out and about on the roads. And how often have have we had callers contact us to say that they witnessed, you know, really stupid driving and really unsafe driving? How often have we all witnessed, for example, somebody driving along, holding a mobile phone, trying to send a text message while driving. There's a lot of stupid driving that goes on as well. And I just think these black boxes, while we're not, it's not a nanny state telling everyone they have to have one fitted, but I think if it is part of an arsenal of tools that we can use to make our roads safer than I certainly will be advocating for and bring it on. But thank you for your, t- your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Let us see if we can give away some tickets to the National Menopause Summit. It is on at the end of this month. The actual date is Friday the 20th of October. The Cork City Hall. It's all part of World Menopause Awareness Day. Everything that you need to know about menopause or perimenopause you're going to have all of the experts at this particular event and we have a pair of balcony tickets to give away for the National Menopause Summit and we are giving away a pair of balcony tickets every day this week. Would you like to go to the National Menopause uh, Summit? And I'm really being specific with this. Please only enter if you would like to go or somebody in your household is battling with menopause or battling uh, perimenopausal symptoms or you're coming up to that age where you want to have the knowledge before perhaps any of the symptoms uh, kick in and you feel it would be of benefit to you. Please only enter because I genuinely want people uh, who will go along and will benefit from the National Menopause uh, Summit. So we're going to leave the text message service open from now up to when news and then after news we will announce a winner. So we need you to text the word HOT Text the word HOT along with your name and address. You can text or WhatsApp to 86 and then we will randomly select a winner who will win that pair of tickets today. So text the word HOT along with your name and address to 86 103 if you would like a pair of tickets to the National Menopause Summit in the Cork City Hall on Friday the 20th of October. Bernie continues to take your calls at 0818 
103. Stop texting us for the National Menopause Summit because we have our winner today, a pair of balcony tickets going to Trish Howick of Broomfield Ridge in Middleton. Congratulations to you, Trish. And every day this week, we have a pair of those tickets uh, to give away because it's the first National Menopause Summit to come to Cork. And as I say, and I'll do it again tomorrow, and I will be encouraging people who genuinely want to go along or if somebody in the household who feel they can benefit from going along. If you want to find out more about it, you can go on to nationalmenopausesummit.com. You can find out further details of what's planned for the summit and also where you can purchase uh, tickets. 0818103103. Some of your calls and comments coming in on still getting commentary in on the black boxes that we mentioned that are fitted to predominantly younger drivers and they've been fitting them at this particular insurance company, MCL Insurance, has been fitting them for about 10 years now. And in that 10 years, they found that speeding has fallen by 72%, but there has been a drop of 27% in the number of accidents recorded, which to me really, really is welcome news. Some people said, Patricia, I would be all for those black boxes. I think they should be fitted to all learner drivers. And if they were fitted, could they not be used as a way that those drivers then would be able to drive without having a fully qualified driver with them because I know since that has become law that has been a huge bugbear for a number of people. I understand why it's done. I understand having a fully qualified driver to make sure that the learner driver is doing everything correctly. But if you are living in a very rural area, you're not always available to jump into the car with your son or your daughter, whoever the learner driver is. And it can and does cause huge, huge problems for many people as they're trying to learn to drive. So somebody said, would that be a solution to that? You fit a black box, the black box would record how you were driving and could you then take take, um, allow for the learner driver to drive without a fully qualified driver. I wonder how others would feel about that. Somebody else says, Patricia, 100% in favour of those uh, black boxes. I would also like to see more speed traps being used more regularly. Too many people are speeding on our roads. And to Heidi, who suggests a lot of our accidents is caused by our roads, I have to say, I think some of our country road surfaces have hugely improved. And that um, is from a regular listener. And I don't know where that regular listener is living. But uh, obviously they're seeing road surfaces in their area uh, improving. OK, thank you. That's some of your commentary coming in on the black boxes. And then earlier... Um, I also mentioned about just some of the, I suppose kite flying is the best way of putting it, some of what has been mentioned is possibly going to be contained in the next budget and uh, the one thing that they are, we know that there will be some kind of an increase for people on social welfare and they're looking at 10 euro across the board. A lot of people have been hoping it would be 12 euro a week, the 12 euro still only a possibility and what they might decide to do, they might decide to give the 12 euro say to the pensioners this again now is just complete kite flying and then give a 10 euro increase across the board for everybody else. They may go down that route as well. That has been uh, speculated but I made the point that when it does get announced uh, tomorrow week uh, people will be waiting until the new year Hopefully it'll be early in the new year, but you can be guaranteed um, it won't. It, well, we know it won't be paid out because it's for budget 2024. But how early in January and how early in the new year will that extra amount of money be passed on? And Dave says, and don't forget, Patricia, those very same politicians who will announce that 
budget next week and some of the backbench TDs, some of them underachieving and those in opposition as well. All of them got a pay increase this week while so many people are struggling to pay the basics, to pay the bills and the uh, groceries. 0818103103 and it is also looking likely that the extra, the final increase of the 7 cent is due to go back up on petrol, 5 cent due to go back up on diesel. That's meant to be at the end of this month and of course we know that the diesel and petrol is getting more expensive at the pumps and there's kind of that psychological thing of petrol and diesel hitting the two euro mark. And certainly if they go ahead with the final part of the reduction in the excise duty of the seven cent on petrol and the five cent on diesel, it certainly would push it, if not up to the two euro, euro mark. It would get a very close, close, close to it. So it is expected that that's not going to go ahead. Now, I don't know if they're going to cancel it completely or whether it will just be deferred. Again, we're going to have to wait for the devil in the detail on tomorrow week's budget. But Seamus says the Greens might have uh, might be the ones pushing for carbon tax but by God we don't have to have the Greens. Seamus drives for a living and he feels the Greens are particularly making his life miserable between carbon taxes and excise duty and the big push uh, for people to get out of their cars. So he is not a fan of the Green Party. 0818 103 103. We spoke in the last hour about Ashleen Murphy and the murder of that beautiful, beautiful young uh, teacher in January. It was the 12th of January 2022. So what now? Over 18 months ago at this stage and the trial of the accused, a 31-year-old man from Slovakia, Joseph Pushka, is happening today. And we'll bring you more on that if anything breaks today. But we'll certainly have an update on how the day one of the trial went uh, tomorrow. But everyone just thinking of that beautiful, beautiful young teacher who had her whole life ahead of her and she decided to jog after doing her day in primary school, tried decided to jog home along the Grand Canal outside uh, Tullamore when she was uh, viciously murdered. It's just such a shocking case. Somebody's saying, Patricia, don't forget to mention Tom Nyland. Oh man, when I heard this over the weekend, I was so, so saddened with the news that he's another name of a man that we should remember, Tom Nyland. He died on Saturday in Sligo University Hospital and he died from injuries he sustained during a violent assault at his home. Now that also happened last year and it seems news spread from early on Saturday morning. Neighbours and family who had been maintaining vigils at his bedside over the past 20 months spoke of a mixture of shock and sadness but for others, they, some of the family members and these friends said it was actually a relief that Tom's suffering is finally over. Now, Tom was a retired farm worker. He suffered serious, severe injuries when a gang of masked men forced their way into his little bungalow and they attacked him. He lived on the main Sligo to Ballina Road. And that actually happened just a few days after the Ashleen Murphy uh, murder. It was the 18th of January uh, 2022. When did, yeah, 12th of January 2022 was Ashleen's murder and then Tom was uh, viciously uh, assaulted uh, on the 18th of January that same year. He was beaten and robbed and he managed to crawl across the road to his neighbour of 40 years before collapsing. She said, uh, Anna Kaplan at the time said, she only recognised him by his voice 
God, he was beaten to a pulp, the poor man. Uh, but he survived the initial uh, attack. There then was a sudden deterioration in his condition and he ended up having a stroke and he was paralysed then from uh, the neck down. He spent the next 20 months in ICU on a ventilator, unable to breathe, uh, unable to independently walk or uh, talk. Um, he was literally motionless in the bed for the last 20 months, the poor man. And then in recent weeks, he got moved out of ICU and he was put on to the 24-hour section of the stroke unit at Sligo University Hospital where staff then were caring from around uh, the clock. But it was his inability to breathe and to cough or to swallow. It meant that every time he needed uh, to clear his throat, the medical staff had to come in. They had to insert a, a suction tube into his throat and seemingly it was a procedure that poor old Tom uh, caused him severe discomfort because he wasn't, he was conscious. Uh, it was just he couldn't move from the neck down and had these tubes fitted so he wasn't able uh, to talk and I know I heard over the weekend some of his family and friends uh, describing being there when he got these coughing uh, fits and these choking fits and just how distressing it was uh, to watch uh, the poor man. Uh, but despite his injuries, uh, he had a, a strong heart and that's what kept him alive uh, for so long, according to the doctors. And his neighbour, Anna Kaplan, who he crawled across the road for her to get help, she described him as the best neighbour ever. She said he was a gentle, a gentle giant. He was a quiet man, living a quiet life. But she was a pains to point out he had a life. He had worked over on his farm for 54 years. Then he retired, um, but he didn't give up. He was involved with the men's shed. He would go on bus, bus tours with the old folk. He would go into town. He did all of his own shopping uh, in town. He had his own little farm. He sold off the cattle, but he hung on to the sheep and, and he loved uh, that. So he was leading a very, very independent life and that was all taken from him when these three scumbags uh, forced their way into the house. For what? I mean what what would an elderly man like that living on his own, you know what you know, what would he have had in uh, in the house? Now, three men coincidentally are before the courts uh, charged with assault causing uh, serious harm and they're actually due before Dublin Circuit Criminal Court tomorrow. Two of them have already pleaded guilty to the charge of assault causing serious harm and I wonder will that change now that Tom has uh, passed away. They've all been in custody and they were caught in fairness to the Gardaí. They were caught very, very quickly. They've all been in custody since the arrest in March of last year. Uh, So they are before the Dublin Circuit Court um, tomorrow on those uh, charges. But yeah, let's uh, remember Tom Nylon and hope he is now finally at peace. But what a way for him uh, to end his days. 0818103103. Our lines are open. Uh, John Bernie's taking your call. She's sitting in for John Paul, who was on breakfast this morning. You can text her WhatsApp us to 0862103103. C103 Jobs. Groundsman slash general operative is required. It's for a busy building site in Charleville. Now, a full driver's licence would be desirable, but a safe pass is essential. 87 Design Pro Automation. They're based in County Limerick. They're now taking applications for an apprentice in manufacturing technology. You can check www.design.com proautomation.com to get further details about the, that particular position. Childcare assistant required for Carrie Navarre. 
CV in a cover letter, please, to tracy38murphy at yahoo.co.uk. And Solace Tech Insulation and Ventilation, they're based in Fomoy. They're looking for general operatives with Safe Pass Manual Handling Cert. You also need to have a full clean driver's licence. CV and a cover letter, please, to Jason at solacetech.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Can you talk to me? Cork Today on C103. For anyone trying to buy their own house, they'll be disappointed to hear that property prices here in Cork have risen by €10,000 compared to this time last year. That's according to myhome.ie property price report to discuss the figures for quarter three. I'm joined by Joanne Geary, Managing Director of myhome.ie. Good morning to you, Joanne. Good morning, Patricia. Now, great news if you're selling a house, but not so good if you're trying to buy a house. Can we take it from this that the period of falling house prices has come to an end? Yes, I think that's right, Patricia. And certainly what we're seeing here is that nationally asking prices are increasing again. So running at an inflation figure of just over 4% at the moment. Um, So certainly there might have been a bit of of a correction happening in the market. There were some frothy valuations last year with asking price inflation running at 12 and 13 percent. So you saw the market starting to correct itself slightly in the first few months of the year. But pretty much from summer onwards, you can see that acceleration again in price inflation. And certainly you can see in the Cork market, very representative of what's happening nationally. Uh, property prices up by ten thousand euro in the last quarter. Okay, so, talk, yeah, talk me right through the, the yeah. Talk me through the average prices for for Cork City and County. So the median asking price, and we use median as opposed to average because median is the midpoint. It strips out the very expensive properties and the very inexpensive properties. So it's a it's a better barometer on the market actually. So the median asking price for a property in the county is now two hundred and eighty five thousand. Um, that's up €10,000 in the last year. So if I'm looking at a three-bed semi-detached in the county, that rose by 5000 in the last quarter, so that's €285,000. And if I'm looking at a four-bed semi-detached, prices rose by 25000 so that's now €375,000 for a four-bed semi in Cork. So quite strong prices there being achieved in the county. Is it simply down to supply? I think that's a lot of the reason, but you can't talk about supply but also um, not look at the demand piece. So I'll, I'll talk to demand first, if I could, Patricia. Yeah. So what we know from the Banking Payments Federation is that there's been a, an increase in the average mortgage approval for first-time buyers. And this is from very live data from July and August of this year. So in August, the average mortgage approval was over €300,000, that's up 6% in the year. And also the volume of mortgages being uh, and people being approved is also up in the year. So why is that? It's because we've got a very strong labour market and we have more people living in the country. So our employment figures are up 12% from um, before COVID. So more people employed, 
and also the average wage is also up. So you're seeing more people employed, now more people with mortgages. So there are more people who are going to be competing for properties in any given area. So the demand is very strong, very, very strong. And by European levels, you know, Ireland would certainly have um, one of the, the highest level of demand for property because our per capita number of houses available is very low by European standards. So, so if I look at the... Yeah, sorry, go on, yeah, look at the, yeah that's the demand, the supply. So that's the demand, bit. so that's kind of fueling prices and lots of interest and, and lots of people out there competing. And the supply piece, and I speak about Cork uh, per se, there's just over 1,500 properties available for sale in Cork and my home at the moment. That's down 5% in the year. But I could write that story for most counties in the country. So most counties in the country and nationally, you're seeing uh, de- decreased supply. On my home nationally, there's just over um, 30, uh, 13,500 properties available for sale. Before COVID, that figure would have been over 20,000. In the last quarter alone, uh, new listings on my home are down a staggering 40%, 40% um, in the year. So there's less stock coming to the market. Yes, there is some building going on, and that's good to see. And certainly what we're seeing in the housing for all figures is that we likely hit our 30,000 or so um, units that uh, will hit the housing for all target for this year. That's still way off where we need to be. We need to be supplying between 40 and 50,000 units a year to at least keep up with the demand that's in this marketplace. So, so, so the, the economy, the, the, strong economy. Yeah, and the, the interest rate hikes, is not that they're not putting people off buying. No, and, and, and certainly, you know, when, when, when we look at the market, and certainly for first-time buyers, they've already baked in those increased interest rates into their mortgage application. And if they're speaking to a broker or a lender, that's already baked into their figures. So they figure that out. Where it might be having somewhat of an impact is on that trader market. And I think what we can see, certainly on my home, with that reduction in new listings coming onto the site, that could be you or I deciding, you know, do you know what, this is the year that we're going to move, we're going to move to a larger house or a different area, whatever. Those people seem to be sitting on their hands, those traders, and not making the decision for two reasons. I would be required to move off maybe an attractive enough interest rate, you know, onto a higher interest rate, and why would I do that? And the second reason being that lack of stock on the market. So it's likely that, you know, I can't find the right property that I want to move to because it's just not on the market. So that becomes, a you know, self-fulfilling kind of uh, prophecy there. You're not going to move off your probably attractive interest rate that you have right now and you can't find what you want to buy anyway because people aren't putting their house on the market. So I think you see that interest rate piece affecting more of the trader market than um, the first-time buyer piece because, as I say, they've already built that into their decision-making. Would I be right in saying that houses sell pretty quickly once they go up on the market? Yeah, I mean, in uh, in Cork, it's the average time to sell is now at just over two and a half months, right? So that's a very uh, quick time period. In other counties, that could be four, four and a half months, you know. So certainly in Cork, that would signify to me very hot market, you know, lots of um, people chasing properties and things are transacting quickly. So, yeah, I mean, allow look, 10 to 12 weeks is what my data is telling me that will 
uh, vary on a case-by-case basis, um, but certainly that would uh, signify a market that's uh, moving quite quickly and transactions are happening fast. And I know, I know, and I can't remember when, it was a number of months ago, or maybe it was earlier on in the year, uh, speaking with an estate agent, they were putting, it was a new, new bills, they were putting houses up for sale and they had people camping out overnight and it just struck me, we're back to the Celtic Tiger uh, era. It's, it's really difficult, isn't it? And, the, and all of the people that were queuing up outside were... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. First time buyers trying to get their their first time their first home, it's really difficult, isn't it, for first time buyers? It is, but there has been some supports put in place to um, to get the, help those people get on the market. So the first home scheme and the help to buy scheme, both very useful in bridging that affordability gap. It's very difficult still to find what you want to buy. Um, it's no surprise to me when I still hear about queues because I can see the demand. I can see the demand on my home. Um, it's very strong. You know, you have about five buyers for every one property that goes up on the site. So that is certainly saying to me that, you know, demand is going to continue. You know, supply is going to be constrained. And that means one thing, Patricia, and that's going to be increased asking prices. So I don't think prices are going to run away from people. But I, I certainly don't see us in an environment where prices are going to fall because of the demographics and the demand that are there um, and because of the low supply coming through. So I think it's going to be slight uptick in asking prices, certainly over the, the period ahead. OK, I can just see a question in from Mark, one of our listeners. Could you ask Joanne, uh, will, prices, will prices continue to rise? Uh, can you see them levelling off, Mark? Uh, it will be selling a property and doesn't know when to put it on the market. Well, you know, if the last quarter is anything to go by, prices increased by €10,000. You know, for all those reasons around demand and supply, I think you'll see, you know, a slight increase in asking prices continuing over the months ahead. Our forecast in conjunction with Davies, who do the report with us, is that um, prices, our residential asking price inflation will hit about 1.5%, 2% by the end of the year. That would have been 12% last year. So you can see the market is stabilising a bit, but still a slight up, uptick in prices. Um, but, you know, certainly to that listener who is con- considering selling, yeah, I think there's a strong demand there for it. Prices are on the increase. 
um, if he can secure something for himself um, in order for him to buy if he's moving and trading. And that's going to be the the question for that that product. And just you say not enough new house starts. Um, look, it's it's we've gotten off to a reasonable start, I would say, this year. Um, reasonable is probably as, as good as you could say. Um, you know, we'll hit our thirty thousand uh, or so uh, target, uh, you know, uh, that I mentioned. But you know, if you step back from this position, and you know, I might may have had this conversation with you before. We've five point one million people living in the country at the moment. By the time we get to twenty twenty six. All the forecasters are saying that that population size will be 5.8 million, so an extra 700,000 people living in the country. In the last number of years, we've only supplied an additional new stock of 120,000 units. 120,000 units. Way off. For, and we're going to have another 700,000 people living here. We're way off where we need to be. So, yeah. you know, even playing catch-up, you'd need to be building well in excess and supplying well excess of 50,000 units. Um, and, and I just don't see it. I'm, I mentioned last week about revenue writing to people about the vacant uh, home uh, taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that will bring some houses back onto the market? I think it should, you know, and it's certainly something that um, is very attractive for people who might be looking at that second-hand home. You know, we've spoken a lot about um, new homes, but, you know, there are a lot of uh, properties out there, you know, once they've been vacant for two years, um, they can uh, qualify for the vacant homes grant. I mean, that's attractive for people for sure. You know, a lot of those properties would tend to be in the regions more so. Um, and I think anything, any measure that's going to help bring new supply and more stock into the market is a good thing. I'm not sure the extent of how many properties, you know, that will actually bring to the market but anything that will get um, some more units sticking upwards, I think that's good news for all of us. Yeah, has to be welcome. Listen, uh, Joanna, pleasure as always. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. That is Joanne Geary, Managing Director of MyHome.ie and their latest property price report out. Very much showing that the period of falling house prices has uh, come to an end. Actually, just staying on property, when uh, kind of tied in, I suppose, with the budget as well and some of the kite flying and what's expected to be contained in tomorrow week's uh, budget. Somebody says, hi, Patricia, I think property tax, the local property tax should be scrapped. It's a joke. People in this country, we are simply too quiet. We should not be paying tax on a house that we already had to pay for. It is wrong. We should all be heading to the doll and protesting. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. And time for our man- monthly catch up with the Citizens Information uh, Service. And we are off uh, to Market Square in Mallow. And uh, Karen Crowley joins me. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. I take it you're busy as ever at Citizens Information? We are. We are. We're quite busy both in the office with drop ins and appointments and on the phones doing callbacks across the region. Okay, well done. Now, today we are focusing on older people. We're going to be looking at state pensions and the Fair Deal scheme. What information, Karen, and supports are available for older people by popping in or calling citizens' information? Well, we provide information, advice, and advocacy across a broad range of topics of interest to older people. We get specifically a lot of queries in relation to the state pension. 
and the secondary benefits that go with it, such as fuel allowance, free travel and the household benefits package. Other areas we provide information would be the nursing home support scheme or the fair deal scheme, things like renewing driving licenses, housing adaptation forms and much, much more. But I suppose they would be the most topical. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, a lot of information available, particularly for uh, older people. OK, let's start with the state pension, though. Once somebody hits the age of 66, are you automatically entitled to a state pension? No, you're not. It's a commonly held assumption, but it's incorrect. So there are two types of state pension which you can apply for at 66. There's a state pension contributory and the state pension non-contributory. To qualify for a contributory pension, you must have a certain amount of PRSI paid, while for the non-contributory pension, you must pass the means test and be habitually resident here in Ireland. So when somebody's coming up to that age of uh, 66, how would you know what you should be applying for? If you've been in employment or self-employment and have a minimum of 10 years PRSI paid, you may have entitlement to a minimum state pension. Uh, If you have either no PRSI paid here in Ireland or you've less than 10 years paid, you may be eligible to apply for the state pension non-contributory. The best thing to do really is contact your local citizens information centre and we can go through your situation in detail and let you know what the options are for you. Yeah, Because I suppose the big one is that most people would be unsure about how much PRSI they've uh, paid uh, and therefore might be unsure as to what pension they are going to receive. Absolutely. About 99% of people that contact us don't even know what a PRSI record is. <laughs> so we deal with this issue a lot. Okay. So many people are unsure and particularly about the rate of state pension they're likely to receive. And I suppose if they've had a varied employment history and they're also unsure about the rules around calculating pension entitlement. So we would always start by advising a person get a copy of their social insurance record from the DSE before they will pop into us. When they receive that, we arrange to go through it for them and we're, we are able to make them aware of the likely level of pension their contributions entitled them to and how it's calculated. So basically what rate you're going to receive once you hit 66. If someone has a gap in their record, particularly women, they may have been eligible for the out-of-workplace or, you know, credits. Mm-hmm. And we will check for that. So that's the home caring credits. And a person can have up to 20 years of home caring credits. So it's really plugging that gap. And it's something we would go through with the person if they contact us. Yeah, because a lot of women took time out uh, to raise a family and a lot of women were forced to take time out because of the so-called marriage bar that I know young people would be scratching their heads wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to <laughs> contemplate that somebody gets married and has to, has to leave the job. Now, can the person's spouse claim for them if they don't have enough contributions in their own right? Yes, they can. The spouse can claim what's called an increase for their qualified adult. When discussing the pension with couple, we will usually explore whether someone would be better off financially applying for their own pension or being a qualified adult on their partner's pension. But I suppose it's very important to note that the IQA, the qualified adult, is means tested. And this can come as a surprise to some people. And we've come across situations where the spouse has a change in circumstances. Maybe they've inherited money or property subsequent to the pension being approved, but they didn't inform the DSP, usually just because they forgot. This can, however, lead to an overpayment arising and the department looking for money back. Anyone that has concerns around this should talk to us. Okay, and what about people who would have spent a period of time working abroad, paying into another system? Does that count here in Ireland? It comes up a lot. Um, Yes, it does count. So if you've worked in Ireland and also in one or more EU states, 
your social insurance contributions from each EU state will be added to your Irish PRSI contribution to help you to qualify for social welfare payments, such as the state pension. However, it will be a pro rata pension in that it will be proportionate to the amount of contributions that you actually worked in Ireland. And it will never be greater than the amount you would get if you had the minimum of 10 years worked in Ireland. This can also be used in the same way for time worked in any non-EU country that we have a bilateral social security agreement with, such as the US, Canada or Australia. We know a lot of people went to the UK to work. Has things changed since Brexit, Karen? No, not really. Irish and UK citizens living in Ireland can still benefit from social insurance contributions made when working in the UK in the same pro rata way under the current agreement. Now, we know there are to be changes coming up in, I guess, two years' time, 2020-25. Can you talk us through what those changes are and how they'll affect people? Yes, there are a number of upcoming changes to the state pension contributory. Now, it's important to note the legislation setting out these changes hasn't yet been published but the proposed changes are, first of all, the age that you can claim. So from the 1st of January 2024, you will be able to claim your pension any time between the ages of 66 and 70. Your PRSI contributions from work between age 66 and your pension claim can be used to help you qualify or to get a higher rate of state pension contributory. So that's actually quite important. Then, with regards to long-term carers, again, from the 1st of January 2024, if you are a long-term carer that is caring full-time for over 20 years, you can get what's called a long-term carer's contribution to help you qualify for a state pension contributory. Oh, that's fantastic news for, for carers. You know, it really is. Yeah, it's a kind of a bit of a recognition for them at last. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we come to the calculation of pensions. So from January 25, there will be a 10-year transition to using the total contributions approach. Now, we've been calculating using both up to now. So it would be a good idea to contact your local citizens information service to clarify how the proposed changes may impact you, particularly in relation to calculations of how much you may qualify for. Okay, you've been talking about the difference between, you've been talking about the two types of pensions as a contributory and a non-contributory. Just talk to us about the non-contributory, that's for people who don't have enough PRSI contributions and how that actually works. So for the non-contributory state pension, this is a means-tested payment. So when you're applying, you will need to give details of all of your household income as well as details of savings and capital. Okay, and does the means t- the, does the means test mean if your person has any savings or any assets, people kind of worry, oh, I've got, you know, savings, I've got a bit away. Uh, is that going to affect a state pension? No, absolutely not. But the rate they receive could be affected. It generally operates on a sliding scale. So the more you have, the less you're going to receive. But to give an example, a single person can have capital or assets of €20,000 disregarded. And it's double that for a couple. So you're looking at a disregard of 40000 for a couple. In addition, if the person owns their own home, the value of that is disregarded. However, if someone has a second property, the capital value will be taken into account, less any outstanding mortgage on it. But we would encourage, again, anyone who's unsure about the means test to contact us and we will go through the figures with them. We've many older people. I mean, people will say everyone is worried about the rising costs, but certainly older people who are on a very fixed uh, pension are, are really worried. Uh, talk us through the additional benefits that older people can claim. You can get the household benefits package if you were aged 70 or over. 
don't need to be in receipt of a state pension and the package is not means tested. And this package helps with the cost of your electricity or gas bill and the TV licence. It's important to note that people under 70 can also get the household benefits package, but additional rules do apply to it. So again, check with us to see if you're eligible. Then we're looking at fuel allowance, really important over the winter months. It's a means-tested payment to help with the cost of heating your home during the winter months, and it is currently €33 Euros per week. Your gross weekly income must be below a certain amount to pass the means test. And I suppose it's important to note also that the income threshold for fuel allowance increased significantly in January 2023. Half-rate carers will also be disregarded in the means test for fuel allowance since January 23, as in the past some people may have failed the means test as they're in receipt of half-rate carers. So this is a great development. And if you previously applied for the fuel allowance, and we come up against this a lot where people say, no, no, I don't qualify. But if you previously applied and were turned down, it's likely that you may qualify now from last January when the thresholds increased. So it's definitely well worth applying again. For people who are living alone, there is the weekly living alone increase. So this is an extra payment for people on social welfare payments who are living alone. Also, if you receive the fuel allowance and living alone increase, you will automatically receive the telephone support allowance of €2.50 per week. You don't need to apply for it. And we have a situation where people have come in just going, oh my goodness, this is extra money and they're panicking because they haven't applied for it. It comes automatically. So you will see it on the slip under, the, I think, TSA telephone support allowance. It'll be on your post office slip or it'll come into your bank account. OK, now it may be a bit early to talk about Christmas, even though I did see a Christmas ad last night for turkeys. Uh, beside the point, uh, the Christmas bonus uh, is, uh, do, will we hear about that being announced next Tuesday in the budget? Are we expecting it again this year? I presume we will. It, tend, it does tend to come yeah, out every year. year yeah. It's been reinstated and we'll generally be looking at 100%. And it's usually paid in the first week of, of December, December to those on long-term social welfare payments, including the state pension. OK, we have a couple of minutes left to talk about the Fair Deal uh, scheme. Um, this is the financial the, the financial assessment for, for, uh, for the scheme causes people a lot of concerns. We're forever getting calls in about the Fair Deal. Uh, how can citizen information help somebody who finds themselves in that position that they need to use the nursing home scheme? So if you're not familiar with how it's assessed, that's what makes it confusing. And we receive queries from families struggling to make sense of the calculation. So to go through it quickly, the person receiving the care contributes 80% or 40% of their income if they're, of their assessable income if they're part of a couple. So if someone's in receipt of a weekly state pension of 265.30, they will contribute 212 of it towards the nursing home costs. And then, of course, there's the family home, and, and that tends to cause most of, of the issues. So you will pay 7.5% or 3.75% of your priority couple of the assets, such as land or property. 7.5% charge on the principal residence. This is capped at three years, so you will only pay it up to three years. After that, it's yours. If you sell your home while you're in care, the net proceeds of sale will also qualify for the three-year cap. And the cap also applies to farmer businesses under certain circumstances where a family successor commits to working that farmer business for six years. And again, if listeners have any questions, uh, just uh, contact citizens and information. Can the person retain any assets or savings under fair deal? Yes, they can. The first 36,000 of your assets is excluded from the assessment if you're single and 72,000 for a couple. You keep a personal allowance of 20% of your income or 20% of the maximum rate of state pension, non-contributory, whichever is more. And if you have a spouse or a partner remaining at home, 
they will be left with 50% of the couple's income or the maximum rate of state pension non-contrib, again, whichever is more. Now, I have heard of of some people who try to uh, sort of... uh, get around a fair deal by, say, transferring over the assets of the farm to another person before applying for fair deal. How does that work? Oh, and I would say don't do it. Yeah. It sends red flags all over the system. So the financial assessment includes any assets you've transferred in either the five years before the date of your first application or transferred on or after the date of the first application. So what can happen in that case is someone could find themselves without the asset and at the same time being charged as if they still had it. Now, it's actually important to note that that also applies when being assessed for a means-tested social welfare payment, such as the state pension non-contributory. Okay, you've gone through a lot of detailed information there. Uh, If uh, people would like more advice, I'm I'm assuming your advice is get on to citizens' information. Or if anyone would like some more information about any of the issues covered, give us a call. We'll discuss your circumstances and help you make an informed decision. And as always, our information advice and advocacy service is free, impartial and confidential. You can ring the West Cork office on 0818078390 or call to us here in the Mallow office in Market Square on 0818078000 and equally log on to citizensinformation.ie. It's a mine of information. Yeah, as indeed you have been. Thank you for that, Karen. We'll talk again You're in the coming weeks. That's Karen Crowley, Information Officer with uh, South Munster Citizen Information Service and she's based out of Market Square in Mallow. Can I say happy birthday to Sis Guiney in Rock Chapel. Sis, I'm told, celebrating your birthday today and your daughter, Mary Isha, and all the family in Mayo were on and hoping that Sis is having a wonderful day today. Happy birthday uh, to you. Now, Funderland is coming to Cork this autumn and we have passes and tickets every day this week for you and two of your friends. If you want to check out more about Funderland, you can check out them on Facebook for more details. Now, what, how we're going to give this, how we're going to give our passes away each day. We'll give you two possible names of Funderland rides and you have to tell us which one is correct. Which of these would you actually find if you went to Funderland? Now, we need you to text or WhatsApp the answer along with your name and address 086, the usual two, 103103. So, so today's ride, is it 20 gravity or zero gravity? 20 gravity or zero gravity? So whichever answer you think is correct, we need you to text the answer along with your name and address. Get texting, get WhatsApping now, 086 to 103 103. We'll leave the text and WhatsApps open for about 10 minutes because I want to uh, clear them then for questions for Annalise. So if you went along to Funderland and you were going on one of the rides, would you be going on the 20 gravity or the zero gravity. Get your answers into us now, please. And you could be winning today. Three tickets and passes for Funderland Autumn for you and two of your friends to go along. Funderland at Creamfields tomorrow Road open every night until 10am. And you'll be good, delighted to hear they also have free supervised parking. And if you go to their Facebook page, Funderland on Facebook, you'll be able to check out all of the details. So which of those is a Funderland ride? 20 gravity or zero gravity? Get texting and WhatsApping on that, please. Uh, while we take a look at some of your calls and comments that have come into the programme, there was a gentleman onto us from West Cork earlier, and uh, he doesn't want his name called out, which is fine. But he has what he describes as a load of headscarves, and he would love to pass them on and to help out somebody, some 
woman who is going through cancer at the moment or ladies who are going through cancer at the moment and that they've lost their hair and they don't like to go out uh, without something on their head and many women will rock a headscarf and they look absolutely fabulous when they're out and about and this gentleman says he knows all about cancer because unfortunately he lost a son to cancer many years ago so he's looking for advice he did uh, approach one cancer charity but unfortunately they weren't able to take take them from him but would anyone have any suggestions for headscarves I'm assuming that are in absolutely perfect condition condition that ideally would go on to women who are suffering from cancer at the moment. My initial thoughts would be to go into a charity shop because lots of people pop in and out of charity shops and uh, they'd be able to sell them quite reasonably and they'd be twofold there. The women with the cancer would be able to buy them but also at the same time a, a cancer or a different charity, maybe a cancer charity would be able to benefit as well. But if anybody can offer advice, he's in the West Cork area. Can you let us know please? 0818 103 103. We were talking about the state pension and the fair deal in the last year, last hour in our citizens information slot that has uh, prompted some people to contact us. Jeremy in West Cork says his wife uh, wasn't a, was able to get almost the full old age pension or wasn't I think is uh, it should be in that uh, comment. She was a carer for more than 20 years and she was told because of that she didn't qualify in her own right for a pension. Jeremy though recently uh, re- retired shortly after his uh, wife and now she's getting the pension as a dependent adult on his uh, stamp and there has been changes now Jeremy as we heard with uh, Karen thankfully they are recognising carers and they're recognising the work that carers have done in the home so they are for carers now applying uh, different rules applying to when your wife uh, applies actually to the point that uh, it might be worth your wife even now applying for a pension in her own right if she wants uh, to do that because there has been there's different changes come in Uh, specifically with uh, carers in uh, mind. And then there was a couple of other ones on to do with pensions, if I can find them. Um, some people making the point on, there was a few people in with, there were more questions than anything. Like somebody was saying they were a civil servant, never paid a stamp, but obviously you're on a civil service uh, pension, not entitled to the normal state pension over 70. Can they apply for the fuel allowance? I certainly would be anyone over 70, even if you applied in the past and got turned down because they've changed the criteria in particular, a much more generous means test has come in from the state start of this year and we've been telling more people on a state pension who had been turned down in the past for the fuel allowance and we've heard from so many of them that are now getting the, the pension, uh, now getting the fuel allowance on top of their pension. So I would certainly say, listen, as Karen and all the crowd at Citizen Information say, it's always worth applying even if you got turned down before, you can apply again. Someone else says most people on the state pension live in very poor conditions. They live way below uh, the minimum wage. Something needs to be done about that and, and I'm assuming that's tied in uh, very much with the budget and hopefully that uh, pensioners will be looked after in the budget. We mentioned property uh, tax. Somebody says the local property tax, Patricia, is a rob. It was Enda Kenny who brought it in. That's from Pat, where the local property tax has been in. I had to check this. I was trying to work out. It's 10 years now we've been paying local property tax. It came in in 2013 and at the time it came in, it was to provide a stable funding base for local authorities and to deliver significant structural reform by broadening the tax base in a manner that didn't directly impact on employment and of course it didn't but what it did instead was it impacted on anyone who owned a house and at the time it replaced remember the household charge and people hated paying that household charge that had been in place before that the household charge got abolished 
Then they brought in local property tax. But the other thing that they did with the local property tax was they handed it over to revenue and revenue are the one who collect the local property tax. And could that be why there is such a high payment of the local property uh, tax? Uh, Because it is revenue, but it's been there since 2013. And listen, I agree with you. A lot of people are not happy about that. We constantly hear from people saying, I've paid for my house. I paid, you know, worked hard to pay a mortgage, paid off my house and now I'm, I'm being forced to pay my local property tax, including people who are currently battling with their mortgages trying to pay for their house. They also have to pay uh, local property tax. But by the way, anyone who's got questions or queries that came up for the, with, and this is information because I can see some people with specific questions to do with the state pension. I don't, I can't answer that. And Karen wouldn't have been able to go into in precise detail individual cases so you can get on to this information. I saw somebody else uh, by WhatsApp has uh, an issue to do with, doesn't know if it's the Labour Relations Commission, it's to do with the wage issue. Again, get on to your local citizen information. You can go on to their website. There's lots of information on their website. Now, I accept not everyone's able to negotiate the web- website, but if you can, a lot of information there. Often we'll get a question in here and before we even put somebody on to citizen information, we'll do a quick search on citizeninformation.ie and the answer will be there for them. But if you're in the West Cork area, you can ring 0818 078390. Or if you're in the North Cork area, you can contact the Mallow office on 0818 0818078000. And our lines are open at 0818103103. We are taking questions for Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist. And we've got about another minute left on our competition for Funderland and we'll be announcing the winner uh, in a couple of minutes. But a list on about a completely different topic saying, I wonder, please, would you give this out on your programme? And I'd be very much interested to hear what your other listeners are making of The Late Late Show and in particular last Friday's Late Late. I watched it myself and I thought it wasn't good at all. The guests I felt were very poor and it's not the same Late Late that we had in the past. In my opinion, they seem to be trying to modernise it. It looks more like an American chat show. Now Patrick Keith Patrick Keelty is doing okay himself, but I feel for him. I feel that it's the guests, says this listener. I won't be watching it anymore. I'm finding it poor enough. And that comes in from a regular listener who I take it from that was a regular viewer of The Late Late Show. What are people making of it? No, I did actually watch last uh, Friday's. I've watched all three, I have to say. I've watched all three. Um, the set is different. The set is very much based on American chat shows, but I, I you know, they were probably right, probably needed to modernise it a bit. So I, the, the set I can cope with. Uh, last Friday and on all of the previous uh, weeks, they, they, they're, they're using a different tactic that's never been used before. And that is that the first section, the first third of the programme has three guests coming out together. That's kind of a little bit like what Graham Norton does. But then Graham Norton's calibre of guests are very di- different. And I did see on Twitter 
at the weekend or X as it is now on Friday night and again over the weekend. People were complaining about that particular section of it. You know, some were saying it drags on a little bit too long and that part one format needs a bit of work. Um, they, they don't ever seem to get into, you know, they can have three good guests uh, on, but they never seem to really get into it because he's hopping from one to the other. I'd have to agree with that. I don't think it flows that well. And I think when I'm watching the three, I come away from it saying, I didn't learn anything from that and I can't remember anything about anything that they said. I have a tendency to switch off when I see the three on uh, together uh, that I wouldn't be happy with that. Now, on the guests last week, I did particularly like Rob Delaney, who was telling his story, the American actor who was telling his story about the book he's written about the death of his little son. I I found that, I, I would say I did find that a powerful uh, interview but then I'm, I've got a friend at the moment who um, just recently buried her little boy so I'm trying to support her through childhood bereavement which is just nobody should have to go through a childhood bereavement so I, I certainly had an, a, an interest in that interview to the point that I'm going off to track down the book and I want to uh, read the book in the hope that it'll help me uh, to support my friend. So I, so I was happy with Rob Delaney but then, you know, that doesn't, not everybody might have been into that particular uh, interview. But anyway, listen, we'll give the shout out and see what other listeners who have been watching. We're three weeks in. I do think Patrick Keelty is is doing well. I, I, I really do. I'm I'm happy enough with the set. I think it needed a bit of modernisation and yes, has are they doing it? Are they basing it on what American chat shows? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of American chat shows that would jump to mind and the set looks very the same. Anyway, your thoughts and comments if you have been watching The Late Late over the last three weeks. Are you sticking with it? Are you enjoying it? Or did you prefer the older format, particularly that first part of bringing the three in together? They're not connected in any way. They're, the three of them are on for three different reasons and is it flowing? I just think the flow isn't there. Maybe, maybe that will change and maybe it's got to do with the guests that there needs to be something between the guests that will you know, get them to interact because that's the one thing um, with Graham Norton. There's a kind of an interaction, isn't there, always between the guests on the, on the couch and we don't seem to be getting that so far. Maybe that will change. Your thoughts welcomed 0818 103 103 and you can stop texting us please on our Thunderland competition. We're bringing the winner after these. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie Get active, get connected with Chair Yoga. It runs every Monday in morning in Chambalymore Community Centre. They're free classes and they will run for the month of October. Everyone is very welcome to attend. Bill Griffin will hold an art exhibition in St. Peter's The Vision Centre. That's on North Main Street in the city. It opens at 7 tomorrow night and it will run until Saturday the 14th of October. And Inishkara Parish Mission facilitated by the Cayley Catholic Community continues up to and including next Sunday the 8th of October. Now it'll have daily morning rosary at 6.30am followed by Mass at 7am. All evening ceremonies start at half past seven. Events including healing Mass, blessings, adoration etc. All are welcome to join in on any or all of the ceremonies. And this Wednesday Anam Cara will hold their Cork meeting 
meeting in the Maryborough Hotel at 7.15. All bereaved parents from Cork City uh, area are welcome, regardless of the age that their child died or the circumstances of the death. There is no need to register. Just arrive on Wednesday evening at 7.15. More information on the support service offered by Annam Cara. You can call 85 Two triple eight triple eight, or you can go to their website annamcara.ie. Cork today on C one o three. And Thunderland is coming to Cork this autumn. We've passes and tickets. We'll be giving them away every day this week. And the passes and the tickets are for you and two of your friends. So three of you can go along and really enjoy Thunderland. And every day this week, we will give you two possible names of a Thunderland ride, and you have to tell us which is a ride and which one did we simply just make make up today. It was 20 gravity or zero gravity and I can see by all of the answers everybody has his correct zero gravity. We simply made up the other one called 20 gravity and we got Bernie to select our winner from all of the correct answers and our winner today is Jessica Frahel of of College Crescent in uh, Cove. Congratulations Jessica Frahel of College Crescent uh, in uh, Cove. We will be in contact with you Jessica and now you've got to decide which two friends you're going to bring along with you and enjoy Thunderland uh, Autumn which is at Creamfields on the Tremor Road open every night until 10am with free supervised uh, parking and if you want to find out more see Thunderland on Facebook and we'll do that every day this week. Your chance to Now that frees up the text message and the WhatsApp service. If you have a question, please, for Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist. You can now uh, get your texts uh, or WhatsApps into 086 2103103. And I can also see that Bernie is taking calls for Annalise to 0818103103. This time last week, we were all talking about Storm uh, Agnes and it did a lot of damage in some areas, but it wasn't the worst storm that we have ever seen, thank God. But I kind of smiled when I heard this story this morning that Met Aaron said that it would be willing to drop the choice of Kieran or Kiron from a list of storm names and the reason for us was colleagues in the Netherlands uh, got onto them and said how do you actually pronounce that name Kiron because obviously they put a father on the A seemingly there was an email then for over and back between Met Aaron and their Dutch colleagues telling them how they how you would pronounce Kiron when we get to the stage where it is Storm Kiron and they but they did say they did say in the email look if this is too complicated for the Dutch meteorologists they say there will be no problem get back to us and they change it to something uh, else seemingly forecasters in Holland had said they thought that when they saw it first that it would be very difficult for Dutch people to actually say it and they were <laughs> sending emails over and back saying does it sound similar to Kira do you remember when we had Storm Kira that made the list back in 2020. Anyway, discussions went on and Kieran did ultimately make the cut and Kieran starting with the letter C will be the third storm of this year. We've already had storm Agnes the B letter that I'm assuming open to correction but I take it probably came from the Dutch weather forecast will be Babette and then that will be followed by storm Kieran. And we spoke about the storms already. We spoke about the naming of the storms because the names are selected. It's a collaboration 
with the three weather services. You've got those in the United Kingdom, you've got ourselves here in Ireland and you have those in the Netherlands and they get together every year and each of the three different weather services from the different countries are each allowed to put forward seven different uh, names. And Met Aaron this year decided to focus all on eminent Irish and Northern Irish scientists. And of course, as we found out, Agnes last week was named after a scientist that we didn't know who'd come from West Cork. So there was a West Cork connection with the uh, storm, uh, Agnes. Now, Met Aaron did when they were putting this together and getting it all together in time uh, before we got into the winter months to announce the storm names. They did ask both the UK and the Dutch Met Office uh, could they hold off on finalising the seven names that would go forward from Ireland because they wanted to run a social media poll on what name Storm A would be called after. So obviously the Dutch and the UK said off you go boys and girls do what you want. So they did a social media kind of a competition, kind of a uh, vote for your favourite. And what they did was they've put forward three names starting with A. So you could have gone for Storm Anna, Storm Alicia or Storm Agnes. And as we know, it was Agnes won. And seemingly Agnes won by 42.8% of the public social media vote. And then that went forward to be the first storm of the year on the published list. Now, other discussions also, this this was the part that made me smile. They also ended up having discussions on UK royalty and how it wouldn't be possible to name a storm after a prominent individual from the monarchy. Seemingly an email, now this wasn't from the Irish side, this came from the Dutch Meteorological Service to say, we would love to name a storm Harry, but I guess that isn't possible because of the royal family. And they said, and we feel the same would apply to Storm William. There were also talks over having a fully gender neutral list of names, but a decision was made that that was likely to be too limiting. However, emails said it would be nice to have more fluid, a more fluid list, uh, including at least some what they are calling neutral names. So that you didn't have to stick to the, you know, the predictably alternating uh, a male or a female. That's the way they do it at the moment. They'll have a, 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 a female name, a male name, a female name, a male name. That's, that's the way uh, that they, even though they haven't, because they started with Storm Agnes and Babette is a female name and then they're going with uh, Kieran. Anyway, um, but they're looking for gender neutral names, you know, names. Well, Francis is an obvious one that can be for a boy or a girl. And there's a lot of names like that that can be actually male or female, because I know whenever it's named after a female, there's, there's always the th- theory that some of the worst storms have been. It's just a coincidence that they happened to be named after a uh, female. So if we had a more gender fluid name, uh, maybe that would work. Would people prefer to have gender fluid names or do people like the idea that there are clearly male and female? Uh, female names but good to see that Kieran and, and we'll have to wait until after Storm Babette when it gets to Storm Kieran will we be calling it Kieran, Storm Kieran or Storm Kieran I'm assuming we'll be calling it Kieran because there is a father over the A and to me you put a father over the A, the a and it should be Kieran. 0818103103 Bernie is taking your calls we are particularly looking for any questions nutritional questions that you have for Annalise Drissel you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Text or 
WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Can you talk to me? Cork today on C103. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic uh, joining me this afternoon. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And questions already coming in. Bernie's taking the calls at 0818103103. I saw a report before I came online this morning. Now, it is from the British Menopause Society, but I'm assuming the results would be the same here. Quite a big uh, survey of menopausal and perimenopausal women, 2000. And of them, 75% said they had problems sleeping. It was either in difficulty in getting to sleep or both getting to sleep and then staying uh, 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 asleep and they found that the most common time to wake in the night for menopausal and perimenopausal women was between 3am and 4am and that was followed closely by 2am and 3am and the doctors who took part in the study were just talking about the knock-on effect of disturbed sleep it can affect your mood, your impair your judgement, your concentration and actually said that it can lead to uh, anxiety but I was surprised at how high the figure was 75% having sleep problems. Is that something you commonly hear about, Annalise? Yeah, definitely. It would be one of the most common uh, problems. And it may or may not be related to the night sweats. So for a lot of people, it is related to the night sweats. They're waking up and they're covered in sweat. Some women even have to get up and change out of their pyjamas and put on a fresh pair. So that can be the issue for some people. Um, Other people, it's waking up to go to the loo that the bladder isn't able to hold as much. And then some people, it just is pure lack of sleep. So very common problem. And I think that it should improve with HRT or with natural HRT products, but you can take natural sleep remedies as well. Um, Actually, the interesting thing there about the times that you mentioned, Patricia, is that um, in Chinese medicine, the liver, that is when the liver is very active at that period, uh, kind of between 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. at night time. And the liver is really, really, really important for detoxifying and especially for hormones. And I think that's where a lot of hormone imbalance comes from. I think our livers are not doing a good job at getting rid of hormones when they need to be getting rid of. Also, I think the gut plays a big role as well because um, there's bacteria in your gut that can actually break apart the bonds that get rid you know, that that holds the oestrogen and progesterone that's being detoxified, it can break those bonds and send those back into circulation. And I do think that, you know, that's a big issue for a lot of modern people because of diet, their gut isn't healthy, and I think liver is a bit overwhelmed as well. So that's a very interesting. So natural sleep remedies then would be um, worth giving a go to. So some people benefit from magnesium. Um, glycine is another one. So if you can actually get the magnesium bisglycinate, you get the benefit of both the glycine and the magnesium in that. Um, and then there's much better ones, stronger ones that are very good for stopping the busy brain. And these would be things like that have got valerian in there, chamomile, passion flower, passiflora, um, what else is very good? Lemon balm is great. L-theanine. And one of the ones that works best here for us is um, the NHP Advanced Sleep Support. And it's got a whole, about eight or ten different herbs in there that are very good for sleep. But go into your local health shop because they will be able to help with something. And then if it's the sweats that are waking you up, sage is definitely the best for that. Yeah, and then I know we've spoken with sleep experts, not necessarily now to do with menopause, but when they talk about good sleep hygiene, you know, don't have the phones in the bed with you and, you know, make the bedroom as comfortable, don't have it overheated. Yeah, have no no LED lights on in the room. Stop drinking caffeine at about three o'clock in the afternoon. 
try not to drink anything else after about nine o'clock at night um, so that you're not waking up to go to the loo, try and empty your bladder fully before you go to bed. Those are all great things, but I think what's happening for a lot of menopause people is they wake up and their brain is immediately kicking in. That's it. Um, That's it. So it's about trying to calm that brain down. And I think sometimes if you are awake, just accept it, listen to a nice podcast and hopefully you'll drift back off. Yeah, that 100% that's my, I know, thank, thankfully in Touchwood I'm a good sleeper, uh, but if I wake, yeah, podcast gets me, it uh, has to be speech, but it gets me right back to sleep uh, straight away. Okay, question for Annalise please, what would you recommend supplements for somebody suffering from rheumatoid arthritis? Okay, so rheumatoid arthritis is different from the wear and tear arthritis in that it's an autoimmune disease where the body's immune system is actually attacking the joints itself. So rheumatoid arthritis will be different in that it kind of affects all both sides of the body at the same time and it mostly would affect um, wrists and knees and ankles would be very common as well. Um, mostly it's detected by your doctor doing a test and looking for the rheumatoid factor in your blood. And there would be normally a family history of autoimmune. So my own experience, Patricia, is that I, I would say 90% of the time people who come to me with autoimmune diseases have IBS. I think that food intolerance plays a big role in sort of, I suppose, overstimulating maybe the immune system and gut health is very important. So if the gut is healthy, that is the beginning of kind of a balanced immune system approach. So if you think that that would be relevant, get the gut sorted. But typically, the typical supplements that would work for rheumatoid arthritis would be things like um, natural anti-inflammatories. So you're looking at curcumin, which is the extract of turmeric. Boswellia is another lovely one as well. Uh, pine bark extract is another great um, natural anti-inflammatory. And we have a, a product here called uh, Curcudine 40, which is made by a company called Nat- uh, Nutri-Advanced. And I would use that quite a lot for people in flare-ups. And it seems to work very, very well. It's a combination of Boswellia and curcumin. So that would be one. Omega-3 fish oils are very good as well because they can chem- help kind of resolve um, inflammation and also they're very natural anti-inflammatories. Again, this company, Nutri-Advanced, have done a lot of research and are using something called um, OptiResol, which is um, a different type of structured fish oil which can help to resolve inflammation. So it's, again, it's very good if you're in a flare-up. So that's called OptiResol. But for other people, a good quality fish oil would be very important. And then vitamin D is the last thing. I think anyone who's got a, a, an autoimmune disease probably should be taking a higher dose of vitamin D than normal, maybe 2,000 or 3,000 IUs. But make sure that you get your blood vitamin D levels checked when you go back for blood tests at your doctor just to make sure you're not taking too much. Okay, just go back to when we were talking about people having problems sleeping particularly during menopause. A question just came in at the end uh, saying uh, what is Annalise's view on skull cap and is that uh, any good to help you sleep? Yeah, definitely. It's one of the lovely herbs and it is in that um, NHP advanced sleep support. Skull cap is one of the herbs. You know, the sleep stuff is very difficult, Patricia, because what will work really well for one person mightn't work for the other. And I see that all the time here in the shop. Um, Melatonin is another lovely one I didn't mention because, unfortunately, here it's only on prescription. But if you're going on your holliers, get it over there because it's totally, I mean, it's very natural, very, like very little to no side effects. 
And again, this is a kind of a sleep hormone that possibly has become disrupted. So that can work well for some people. But I think you'll need to try a few and try and go for one that's a blend of different things so that you're getting the benefit of a lot of different herbs. Okay, hi, this is from Molly. My son has sinus for the last two months. He's been on two antibiotics, he's been on steroids, he's been on antihistamines, he's been on tabs. Nothing is working. His nose is constantly streaming green mucus. Any help and advice, please? Oh, that sounds miserable. Miserable. And like for, um, a lot of people suffer from sinus all year round, Patricia, as well. Um, and it can be very debilitating. Uh, the fact that it's a green mucus doesn't sound good to me. That sounds like there's an infection there for sure. So it's a difficult one, sinus, because sometimes it is more than just an infection that's going on. Generally, the body will produce mucus as a kind of an immune response, which is why if you're allergic to something, you'll fill up with mucus and why when you've got a cold virus, your body gets produces a load of mucus to try and trap the, the virus bacteria so that the immune system can, the T cells can come along and chomp it up and get rid of it. So mucus production is generally an immune response. And if it's going on all the time, it's probably something either in the atmosphere or it's something that you're eating that is contributing. So maybe the first thing I would suggest for this poor lad is something like a proper decongestant natural. So Dr. Dealish Clare does a lovely decongestant blend. Um, it's it's very bitter. It's really, really good. It works very well. Lots of my customers have said it's resolved their um, post-nasal drip as well. So that could work very well. Um, or if you can get your hands on it, the Dr. Clare Mucotone is also quite nice because it's got a bit of echinacea in there. But my first choice would be her congestion blend. Uh, if you can't get your hands on any of those, you're looking for things that have got thyme, plantago, ivy, um, actually, Skullcap, which has got more than um, one function, it's, it's also good for for anything respiratory. Um, if you could get something like with marshmallow and mullion, a, a combination of all of those herbs is very good. I would definitely support the immune system with a kind of a general vitamin A, C, E and zinc supplement just to make sure that it's not a deficiency in any of those. And then one of the things I find best for an infection in the sinus is to do a steam inhalation where you have a bowl of boiling water and throw in a couple of drops of oregano oil. It's a great one for killing off anything. And when you inhale it, it can get right up into the sinuses. But my advice is actually start with maybe one or two drops because it's really strong um, and then try and build it up to, to more drops if you possibly can and do that at least once a day um, and see how far you get with that and if you can't get anywhere you're probably going to have to have a look and see are there allergies or intolerances. Okay, Liz is struggling as well. She's had four antibiotics and 12 days of st- ster- steroids. She recently had an x-ray which showed she needs to get more air into her lungs to open them up. She's a terrible cough. She has taken Exputex. Is there anything else that you can recommend it's been going on now for about five weeks yeah it's there's i think i I think patricia covid has actually damaged quite a few people's lungs um that the lung capacity isn't as as good i i definitely had noticed myself even though i had a very easy covid i had no symptoms but my lungs i definitely lost puff so i think it's all about protecting and nourishing your lungs so um, in this case here where there's actually a very bad cough and infection, I would without a doubt do the Dr. Clare Mucotone because that has got immune boosting and lung protective stuff. But I'd also take a cough bottle for the cough. Um, the, my go-tos tend to be either the um, Comvita Manuka Honey Elixir or I love the Pucca Elderberry Syrup as well that's got a lot of thyme in there. And I'm also a big fan of Olive Leaf Extract, which is a great one just for... 
anything viral that's not shifting, really, it, I think it always just gets you that last 20% better. So it's great if you've got the flu, it's great if you've shingles, it's great if you have a viral cold you can't shift. So I'd say do a combination of the three of those things and hopefully that'll get you over the line. Yeah, because Mary in Butterfield had COVID. Now, it was just last week, but she's still very short of breath. Um, she's also started to get hot flushes after COVID and that could just be, I don't know whether it's related to COVID, is it just a coincidence? Uh, she's uh, anything you can suggest, particularly the shortness of breath. So that would be similar as well. Yeah, similar to that. I mean, again, the shortness of breath, if there's mucus in the chest, all of that advice will apply. But if your chest is clear... I'd say possibly you might need an inhaler. Um, the salt pipe can be very good for helping clear a chest as well. It basically is just a kind of a plastic uh, pipe of a thing with salt crystals in there and you breathe kind of air in through it and it gets micro particles of the salt into the lungs. And it is a good one for kind of strengthening the lungs and for dealing with mucus and toughening up the lungs, I suppose, really is a is a basic way of putting it. Um, so that might help. But I do know, Patricia, I've been an awful lot of people. I know myself and a lot of customers have actually had to take inhalers after COVID. Yeah, it certainly is damaging the, the lungs. Uh, West Cork listener has hives for the, for the about the last four weeks. Very itchy. Doctor gave her cortisone cream. She's wondering, could Annalise recommend anything more effective for hives? So hives typically would be a kind of a histamine response, an allergic response, so obviously reacted to something. Um, what I'd suggest is you take, actually, I would go and get an antihistamine over the counter um, or an antihistamine cream. Uh, but if you want to go the natural route, I would use Cursetin is one of the best natural anti-inflammatories. And there's a couple of different um, companies do Cursetin in a supplement. I know Viridian do one, BioCare do an excellent one, Nature's Plus do a very good one. Um, and that would work as a natural antihistamine. The other thing as well is that if histamine has built up in the body, um, there are bacteria in the, in the gut that can actually break it down and there's bacteria that can produce it. So taking a good probiotic with the bacteria that can help break histamine down in the gut, where there's actually quite a lot of it, can really reduce your overall histamine levels. And the, the, you don't have to spend a lot. I know that OptiBac, they've done a lot of research on histamine strains. I think their everyday, uh, OptiBac everyday is a good one to take. That's got those strains in there. Another one is um, like the Lactobacillus rhamnosus can help very well as well, and Viridian do one of those. So take a probiotic, take a natural antihistamine, and then in terms of creams, the Dr. Claire um, anti-itch cream is brilliant. It really does take the itch out. A lot of people worried on sleep today. Pat says, is MAG365 any good for sleep? So again, it is, magnesium is very popular for sleep, Patricia. People take it for all sorts of reasons. I'm not convinced personally myself that it will get you to sleep but for some people it does seem to work well magnesium is very good for kind of relaxing the body so if you're maybe not sleeping because you're a bit wound up it could work for that mag365 is one of those magnesiums uh, but it's magnesium citrate and my favorite one for sleep is the mag- magnesium bisglycinate because glycine is fantastic for sleep as well uh, but the mag365 the one thing i would say about it is that just make sure you're putting it in with very hot water to dissolve it and you can top it up then with cold water and it is good to get a nice strong dose of magnesium into you but if you find it's not working maybe go for something with some more kind of sleep herbs in there like the valerian and the skull cap and the theanine and the lemon balm pasta flora like that nhp advanced sleep support has all of them 
and we get great feedback on it. Okay, listen, have a lovely weekend. We'll chat to you again next Monday. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks a million. That is Annalise Drussell, Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic in this afternoon. Annalise will put up on her website healthhubstore.com as heard on the radio all of the items that we mentioned today because she goes through a lot of uh, information. Just some of your texts on the Late Late Show. Uh, John says, Patricia, Patrick Keelty's biggest test will be the toy show, I think, so far. He's doing a good job. So, yeah, I tell you, some people are liking him, some people are not liking him, but isn't that what makes the world go round? And Sheila says, hi, Patricia, it is the season for stodgy puddings and dumplings, but my problem is I can't get a Torah suet anymore. Uh, My local shop checked and they say that it's not available to them. Does anybody know where I can get it, please? So is anybody... Now, I don't know where Sheila is texting us uh, from, where across the city and uh, county, but has anybody seen a Taurus suet? Uh, I certainly would have used it when you're making plum pudding. God, I've made plum pudding now in a long, long time, but it was always that suet that you used. It was by far the best for the stodgy puddings and dumplings. God, Sheila, you're bringing me back. There's nothing like a dumpling in side in a stew. Anyway, does anybody know is a Torah suet? Has it gone off the market? Has anybody spotted it? There are some things that are just you can find it really difficult to get at the moment. Uh, if anybody can help you can give Bernie a call 0818103103. People saying that a Torah suet is available in Tesco. If you want to get into Tesco. Okay, that's really you for today. Thanks to uh, Bernie, Mark Malone with you for the afternoon back in Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.